3: To the fourth season premiere of the stadium journey podcast Can you believe it four years we're proud to be part of the voc nation radio network and if you can't get enough of stadium journey after the show head on over to our website stadiumjourney.com where you'll find over 2500 stadium reviews news items and so much more we're also on facebook twitter and instagram like us follow us do all that stuff and now that we're in our fourth season, you might feel an urge to check out our old episodes. It's easy to do. Just type in VOC Nation Radio Network into whatever podcast search app you use. Or go to the Stadium Journey website. Look under the podcast tab on the main menu. And all of our old video podcasts are on the Stadium Journey YouTube channel. We're everywhere. And we also stream live on twitch.tv slash 83 Welcome to anyone who's watching there right now. Don't be afraid to participate in the show tonight. And we also have a new Patreon page full of perks for our patrons. Check out the list of rewards available. If you give us enough money, you might even be a guest on the podcast. Our guest tonight did not give us any money, though. We didn't <laughs> work the other way. <laughs> and now, real quick, here is our starting lineup. We've got Dave Cotney with us. As always, follow him at ProFan9. Mark Viquez can be found at Park Hunter. Our producer, the above-average comedian, Dan Calachico, is online at DanLaw83, and I'm Paul Baker. You can follow me at PuckManRI. And you know, guys, we've had a lot of guests come on this podcast in our first three seasons. We've had broadcasters, we've had writers on the show, we've had fellow travelers, we even had a team owner. But tonight, for the first time, we're being joined by an active player. So everybody, please join me in welcoming to the show from the 2020 Major League Lacrosse Champion Boston Cannons. Goaltender Nick Morocco. Nick, welcome. Thanks for joining us tonight.
4: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Happy to be on here.
3: Hey, and first of all, you know, congratulations on the championship. And I want to personally thank you, as a Boston sports fan, for ending our long, long, long championship drought that we had.
4: I know, right? It was it was too long, way too long. But <laughs> that was good feeling. Good feeling.
3: So uh, I guess um, we've been talking for. Yeah, you guys were all laughing. Long championship drought fighting.
1: That's saying a word. <laughs> I'm not here.
3: Um, we've been talking a lot about the way sports have been handling the pandemic and how, you know, different methods that they've been using. Now, the MLL, Nick, uh, I, I think our listeners know, you guys did your own version of a bubble back in, what was it, June or July now?
4: Yeah, July. Everything July. is
3: blending together. I don't even remember what month it was. Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to be inside the bubble?
4: Yeah, uh so we basically did a 2 week essentially a 2 week tournament style season where we were all in Annapolis, Maryland um and we basically had like a 3 day mini camp where we got to, you know, practice, uh get the team together, everyone had to get tested before Um, When we got there, everyone had their own room. We basically had shuttles from the hotel to the stadium and back, and that was basically all we were able to go to. Um, They had meals for us every day. Um, And other than that, it was just prepping for um, each and every game. We essentially had a game a day or a game every other day so it was a grind um we were pretty exhausted uh I'm a goalie so I got beat up pretty bad a couple games but no it was it was a weird scenario where you know you had to be smart about you weren't supposed to be too close to people but you were also you know trying to just focus on actually playing lacrosse which was you know it it was tough not to get distracted but Um, you know ultimately it was it was worth it but I I don't know if I'd want to do something like that again uh, you know we had we had one guy who ended up having to right when we won he went right into the the cold tub had to throw an IV in him because he was so dehydrated it was 120 degrees on turf so it was uh, an interesting scenario to say the least.
3: Wow and and that was only a two-week bubble I can't imagine what uh, the guys in the NHL and the NBA and the WNBA just went through because they were in their bubble for months.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I can't, I mean, lucky for them, they get a little break here and there, um, but it's still, it's different. I mean, being really confined to one, one, uh, you know, one space where you're not really supposed to socialize too much with people. Um, not the easiest thing to do, uh, especially someone like me where my EDD kicks in pretty quick. So uh, yeah, it, it, was not ideal, but, you know, we all really just had the same goal in mind. So, you know, you just kind of got to focus up, deal with the stress, uh, through it and, you know, just try to make things happen when you get on the field and have a little fun.
1: Okay. I can't, I actually have a question. Cause you mentioned ADD because I, I'm going to relate to you for a second, not on the athlete part, because I've been, I haven't been 18 in a long time. Um, the ADD thing because I, I I've been not been in a bubble, but I've been at home because most of my work is dried up with obvious reasons. In a bubble because I have what I need, right? So with my ADD, I can do like six things at once and keep keep going. How do you deal with? I, I'm very serious now. How do you deal? How do you preoccupy your time and not go crazy with the attention deficit when you're scatterbrained doing something? and then play a game like what do you do how do you prepare yourself i i, I couldn't imagine that just on that basic level
4: yeah honestly it was kind of tough I'm, we didn't have a, we didn't have a ton of uh, downtime which was a good thing uh, we were either you know going to meetings um watching film going out and you know doing a walkthrough a quote-unquote practice which ended up not really being much because we had a rest um So luckily there was not too much downtime, but when there was, I was, it was, it was not the easiest thing. I tried to watch as much TV as I could and stay preoccupied, but uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't the most fun scenario ever. Um, But the stress levels were high anyway, just playing that many, playing uh, that many games and, and uh, you know, every game mattered. So if you lost one game, you potentially wouldn't make it to the championship game. So uh, I think, I think my mind was just really focused at that point. Uh, which is unique for me.
3: How often did you have to go through testing, Nick?
4: Uh, Essentially, we just got tested when we, right before we got there. And then when we got there, it was, everyone got, um, they just did temperature checks, basically uh, twice a day, and then before practice, before games. And... Um and just kept everyone in the same area where you go on the shuttle, go to a hotel, go your room, grab food, and, and repeat.
3: Wow, that's 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 a uh, yeah Groundhog Day for sure. Um, what you know you were talking about the bubble and and having to stay confined and it was like a hundred and ten degrees that week that you guys were playing wasn't it?
4: Yeah. Um, yeah,
3: and geez, having to keep your cuz I've got to take my temperature every day before I go to work. But yeah, if it's 110 degrees outside, how are you going to keep your temperature under 99.9?
4: <laughs> I know. I I was honestly pretty confused by that too when when uh they they told us what the deal was, but apparently if it, it's pretty tough for it to go above um just due to heat. So, I guess they had that figured out. Uh, and the guy who was dealing with all the COVID protocols actually did a really good job of uh making sure everything was in check. So it wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a unique unique situation. Um, you know, having to wear masks everywhere, and you know, we haven't seen our teammates for for months. So it was you know, right when you get there, you want to just go all hang out. But uh, yeah, we we did our hangout after after the win so
3: so um or I don't want you to throw anybody under the bus but even with all these precautions and everything somebody managed to get a positive COVID test in there right right before the semifinals yeah
4: how did that yeah um, it was that was
3: I know it was the hometown team that ended up being positive maybe somebody was out at home with their their people or something um but what, it worked out well for the cannons because you guys got bumped from the semifinals right to the finals. So how did they present yeah. all this to you guys?
4: It was wild. Basically, I mean, we found out what the situation was. Uh, Someone untested positive. So, I mean, we were kind of just focusing on throughout the week what our guys were doing. Uh, so, I mean, I knew for a fact that none of us had, had left the – whatever you want to call it, facility. Um, and everyone was being pretty smart about it, but I mean, somehow someone ended up testing positive, which wasn't great. And obviously that was potentially going to impact everyone. So uh, stress levels were through the roof uh, while we figured out what the next steps were. Everyone got tested. Um, barely anyone tested positive after that, which was um, a good thing. And then, uh, so that, then they, those two teams chose not to play that semifinal, uh, so it ended up being Austin Denver. But uh, you know, Denver was the number one seed at that point, so you know it was different. But at the end of the day, we were playing the what was recognized at that point as the top team in the league right then, so. We didn't really uh, let it affect us too much, kind of just did our thing, um, focused on us, went out, had fun, tried to ball out as much as we can, and, and you know, just ultimately yeah. win. win. So. But it was a, definitely a, 24 hours was crazy. It was crazy, and we, uh, you know, try to not be too distracted, though.
3: I, I mean, just watching – I got you in the second, Dave. Just watching what the NFL is going through right now and just thinking about the other leagues, I couldn't imagine if something like that had happened, say, in the uh, – in the Stanley cup finals or something. I don't think they would have had the yeah. uh, the guts to handle it the same way and say, all right, you guys are out.
4: I know it's, 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 you know, it's a, a tough decision because obviously no one has dealt with anything like this in general in life, uh, what we're going through here. So, you know, there's no really, you can't have a perfect game plan going into it. It's not like it's something like this has happened exactly before. So, Uh, you kind of got to have to deal with what you're throwing at, what's thrown at you. Um, And I guess that's just what we did. And, uh, you know, different sports have different ways about, of going about it Um, and what they chose to do in their respective seasons. And, you know, things weren't perfect, but you just kind of got to grind through it. And I think, uh, you know, the league overall did a good job of trying to uh, make do with what we had and, you know, having a season in general was, was,
3: you know, a a good thing. Dave, you had something?
5: Yeah. So uh, the finals, um, it's super exciting game and the narrative going through the finals was actually really not much to do with Boston. If I, if I followed it correctly, it was having to do with, pretty much the final game of a lacrosse legend. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, uh, you stopped John Grant Jr. on the doorstep with like a minute left or something like that. Do I have that right? I think so. Around there. So
3: You'll so what's always bring like- John Grant into, the, into our lacrosse conversations, Dave. You never fail, man. <laughs> He's a legend. What can I say? Absolutely. <laughs> So how does it feel to retire a legend?
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was wild. He's uh, obviously one of the – one of, if not the best player to play the, the game. Um, and him competing at that level um, at his age and, you know, doing it at high levels, it was crazy. Um, and, he, you know, he's a really good leader out there obviously a part, part, part of the time he's like coaching and then he's playing and um, he's just so much knowledge for the game, which is just, you know, it's tough to go against. And um, I just try to focus and make the big saves when I can. And, um, you know, he's such a competitor where I could tell it was getting under his skin a little bit. Um, (laughs) And so I just try to, I like the inside saves. I'll say that when, when it's on the crease, I'm, I'm uh, fairly solid at those ones. And I try to steal at least a couple of those a game and, you know, it happened to be against John Grant jr. So, uh, it was, a it was a nice little, uh, add on to it. And, you know, after that last one I had, I, I felt pretty comfortable and, and that we were going to win the game there and their team was getting pretty, pretty pissed off. So, uh, it kind of just gave us momentum and our offense, you know, ended up falling out and, and, uh, taking the lead for us, which was, which was sweet, but, no, that dude that dude's a competitor and it's it's crazy playing against someone like him.
5: And isn't he like the uh, didn't he go to your school, Paul? Isn't he like the offensive coordinator or
3: something? Or Oh yeah, as a coach, yeah.
5: Yeah, as a coach, yeah, yeah.
3: Yep, he's now the offensive coordinator at Hawkins. So
5: Yeah. Crazy. That's yeah, yeah he, that's he's you know, returned
3: to prominence. <laughs> <laughs> um
5: so you're probably not familiar, but but we have this raging debate. Uh, basically, between Paul and I, uh, I th- actually, I think I think it's Mark and
3: Paul and, and
5: Dan, or Mark and and. It's Dan all and you I guys against
3: me if you're d- talking about what I think. <laughs> oh, you're box lacrosse. Box Nick, I'm glad to have you here because you're kind of evening out the uh, field a little.
5: Whoa! No, no, don't bring me into this with the professional here. I'm not getting into him. Uh, <laughs> so, so actually, here's and I'm I, you could talk about why you think field is better than box later, but here's really the biggest question that I have about the real differences. So in box lacrosse, the goaltenders look like they're about eight feet tall and eight feet wide. And they have about 40,000 pounds of equipment on.
3: They look like the Michelin man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And you guys in the field have nothing. What's up with that? (laughs) So like how freaky is it to have that, that ball whizzing at you and, and basically, well, tell me like what kind of, uh, difference in equipment do you have from, from the regular oh, guy? I mean, I obviously him, the stick, but...
1: Hold on, Dave. I want him to finish what he was going to say before you finish, because he's yeah, like no, this I weird. Probably <laughs> I,
4: probably, I probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't finish what
5: I
1: was going to
4: say. <laughs> all right. Fair uh, enough. Uh, so I'll answer... Yeah, yeah. No, I can't. I won't say what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, right. I'll I get understand. some backlash on Twitter or something.
3: <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, no. So, so I'm guessing it either anywhere, has to do yeah, with the no, part of the anatomy you have. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. no I'm him, not gonna go, Joe. I'm not. No, no, no. Let him go. Let
4: yeah. him go. Censor, <laughs> censor. Uh, no, the box goalies they have a, they have a, a ton of gear. Obviously, uh, field goalies just have chest protector, cup, uh, helmet, gloves, stick, cleats. That's basically it. I mean, if you're wearing shin pads as a as a field goalie probably not gonna work out um yeah i mean i'm used to it by now honestly uh inner thigh doesn't feel good still doesn't feel good um but like knees when i get hit in the legs and arms doesn't really hurt much anymore um i probably have some messed up shins um but i think it's more fun you can be a little more athletic out there i like to run play out of the cage and uh run it up when i can so uh that suits me well i i could never play play box goalie. I think I tried it once just for fun and I did not like it. So I didn't try it again. Um, so I, guys, I guess guys love it though when they're playing. It's just, it's not my thing. Um, well, we,
5: we had a, when we had a team up here, uh, the Hamilton Nationals yeah. and they had a, they had a goalie, uh, Brett Queener. And every time that dude got yeah. the ball, he'd run like 40 yards. Yeah. Right? He's, a, he's a beast. He and uh, he scores all time. Yeah, I mean, he, but it, like he looked like he could do it. Now you see some of those box guys run into the bench, and it's like you're you're waiting for like the Benny Hill music to be going on. <laughs> like it's funny watching those. Guys. And what's even funnier is if you see them like at at the beginning of a game or whatever, and they don't have like the big shoulder pads on or whatever, and you're like wait a second, this dude's just like a regular size dude. He's not 476 pounds.
3: <laughs> That's not true, Dave. The two goalies for the Black Wolves when I went to a game, I saw them before the game. They were both my size. And then oh, yeah? Had... Yeah, it was, it was incredible. They're like, yeah, they're, bit, they're like hockey goalies now. Yeah, where do you find the daylight to get it past a goalie in box I don't
4: know. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, it's a pretty cool game, too. I mean, it's, it's totally different from field, which is a little bizarre, but uh, – <laughs> No, it's cool if you're a field player. Uh and the goalies love it, but I don't know. It's a different it's a different different game. We have a lot of we have a lot of box guys on our team though who will play both indoor and outdoor. A lot of the Canadians and they're ridiculously skilled, so um it does translate at the on, on the field level.
0: Yeah. I I guess that can be said for outdoor soccer. I mean, soccer and indoor soccer. Really right, you know, a lot. Right. Of, yeah, I'm sure you don't see too many guys playing indoor soccer anywhere. I mean, I think Landon Donovan played for the San Diego Soccers last season or the season prior. That's the only person I could think of. Right, right.
3: All right, so I guess is this where we start to get into a little bit of, uh, little bit of deep issues here? Nick, and again, we're not going to try to put you on the spot or anything. Um, sure. What do you think about the, uh, the moves, the MLL? made during the last let me back away from the camera a little bit <laughs> made a, over the last off season where they moved moved from uh from the franchise model where every team was being owned independently to a league model as a player from a player's perspective have you noticed any difference yet
4: um I think it made sense looking at it when when it was all happening um, just to have a little more uniform uh, i do I word it um just to make sure that the, the you know everything was fair between each team as far as resources and everything, and I think they're still they they're still working to get get the you know all that in tune and because different markets just have they do a little better. Boston uh, gets a lot more fans naturally than like Atlanta was gonna, so it was tough in that respect. So I think it made sense uh, the way they moved it moved it. Um, and as far as you know, ownership level, I don't, uh, I mean, as player, you don't really see it, see that as much, um, you know, you're not really dealing with the owners directly. So um, on that part of it, I guess we haven't really seen a huge difference yet, but um, I think moving forward, it's going to be big for, for the league to grow and um, get more teams. And they're pl- I think they're planning on a couple more teams in the next few years. So, uh, that was a, just a step that needed to happen. I think a lot of it had to do with voting um, between, you know, when they were deciding on TV deals and all that fun stuff.
3: Sure. I mean, it might be a, a the wrong time to ask that because this season was really so atypical. But um, yeah, big changes for the future for the for the league. Dave, you got your hand.
5: So, how, how did you find the difference moving from from college lacrosse up to the pros? Yeah, uh,
4: I mean, honestly, I didn't for a while. I didn't uh, when I was getting ready to play. I didn't think there was going to be a huge difference, uh, just because you know I played against a lot of the guys. Before. Um, but when I started playing, it was it was pretty crazy. Just because typically, you know, when you when you're playing in college, although there's a ton of talented players, you could you could scout certain ones on each team that were going to be more of a threat to score than others. Some were like strictly feeders. Uh, some, you know, didn't have the hardest shots. So you were able to scout and kind of gear your game plan in college towards towards a specific player. But uh, at the pro level, it's it's just tough because you can't – Every pretty much every offensive guy can sling it. Uh, they can pretty much put it wherever they want. And if you, you know, if you focus on one player – only and, and try to gear your game plan around them. Uh, it's just going to open up way too much stuff for other guys to um, get opportunities to score goals. And, and now that's the biggest thing. Everyone can shoot. Everyone can feed. Um, so as a goalie, you know, you got to be on your game 24-7. And um, I think that was that was the biggest thing, the toughest thing when I first started playing. Um, and well, I had a guy, Tyre Fiorito, who was the goalie before. He was really helpful for me just to get a, a better understanding of how the pro game works. It's a lot faster, and, and uh, so he, he was really helpful in that, that aspect of it.
3: Mark, you had something?
0: Well, I guess, I guess my question is being a professional lacrosse player, um, obviously how much of your life is dedicated uh, to playing for Boston and what do you do during the off season? Is there anything else you offset your uh, income, or or does uh, pro lacrosse pay pay the bills full time?
4: Yeah, no, I mean, hey, I wish I wish uh, pro lacrosse pay the bills full time. I was okay. make a, a cool million dollars a year. That'd be uh, <laughs> pretty sweet. Uh, but it's still a, a growing game, obviously. Definitely, so definitely. no, it doesn't. Um, but I Yeah, I work in, in real estate um, outside of playing for the Cannons. And then I just saw me and Sean Quirk just started a, a company called Peak Pro, uh, make lacrosse shafts apparel. Um, so I'm doing a few different things. Uh, I like the entrepreneurship side of business. So Being your own boss, uh, definitely. I'm doing a, a quite a bit here and there and trying to stay busy. Yeah, it's that's a nice thing for sure.
0: So when, when do you report back? Uh, like when you, how long is, how much time do you spend with the Boston franchise? How much of that takes away from your other interests? Like how many months I guess would be the question. So, uh,
4: I mean, off, yeah, so off season, a lot of it's on our own. Uh, um, our train, some ideas that we should do right and to kind of recoup and get our bodies right. And then uh, typically, you know, everyone, we have guys from Canada all over the U S and so different guys have different trainers, blah, blah, blah. So training, training is on our own pretty much for the most part. And then we'll, we'll typically this year, probably not going to happen because of COVID, but we'll typically have a February scrimmage Um we will scrimmage like a college team in February uh, just to get a little tune up. And okay, then how uh, is it usually in May or June or no. Yeah. April and May we'll, we'll get together for a few weekends leading up to the season and do uh, a mini camp, which is um, Saturday and Sunday all day playing um, for those weeks leading up and then j- starting in June through August or September that's typically where every weekend is dedicated to playing. And then during the week, you know, we have some guys in market here in Boston, so we'll get together and, uh, and put in some work. Um, But obviously everyone's not here. So during the week, a lot of it is on your own, but we do zoom calls and stuff to make sure we're going over scouting plans and film and all that, all that good stuff too. So it's uh you know, it's unique. It's a unique sport. Um, it's well it's probably it's probably the sort of like with pair. That it's, was probably, probably big.
0: No. it's probably like what the NFL was, you know, in the nineteen mean, forties and fifties. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Everybody had second yeah, jobs, yeah. the the neighborhood knew who you were, especially, you know, in a small market such as Baltimore. You know. Right. You weren't making millions of dollars or that much more than the average person, so uh, and I know from my experience, you know, pro lacrosse players have been one of the most friendliest athletes I've interviewed. Uh, they've always given me a chance to talk to yeah. them and they've been more than accommodating with any questions I have. So uh, much better than some yeah. minor league baseball players who <laughs> like, <laughs> I, 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 I got an air drop.
4: Yeah, <laughs> no, I think that's a cool, cool thing about this sport. It's, it's a very tight nitty and, you know, for kids to be able to come up to players after the game and you know, most players are very um you know responsive to that and we were once in their shoes looking up to pro guys so it's pretty unique in that sense and that's I, I really like that about it. Um you know hopefully it does grow to uh, more of a bigger stage where guys can get uh, compensated closer to other sports but uh, you know it's a slow growth and but I'm I'm uh, very fortunate to be able to you know play the pro level in general as much as I can.
3: Nice. So I guess, I guess this would be the time to address maybe the elephant in the room. Um, you know, the, the lacrosse world was split in two a couple of summers ago with the PLL taking shape. Um, mm-hmm. What's your, you were just talking about, you know, opportunities and stuff. So do you think this will be something that will work out long-term? Do you think there could be two leagues or do you think it, the lacrosse community has got to come together and figure out a solution.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a unique, unique, uh, I keep saying unique for all this, this craziness we're going through, but it's a, it's a different world since, uh, you know, the PLL started and now there's two leagues and, you know, it's, it's, it was a little crazy for a while. Um, But, you know, different guys have different, you know, opinions on on what they like I personally just I, I've enjoyed playing for Boston and being able to you know I grew up watching the cannons and you know my roommates older brother Max panzani was on the cannons and so I really always wanted to play for, for Boston and a lot of guys like that hometown hometown vibe um, and you know the PLL has done some really good things with their marketing and all that so uh, eventually, um, it's, it's, you know, it's going to have to get the point of it being one league. Um, when that is, who knows? Um, but, you know, it's, I think a lot of it is just, you know, people trying to make this sport grow and you can't hate that. But, you know, there is a lot of negativity in, in, especially on social media. Um, you know, with two leagues existing, which is just bizarre to me. Um, you know, a lot of it's just little kids chirping, but, uh i guess that's, that's egos that's, uh, it's
0: all about the egos yeah just the social media perfectly yeah pretty much <laughs> world, it's like it's my idea is better than yours and if you don't like it but, i'm taking my toys away and making yeah, my own that that's what it's all about and you can look at any other professional sport it had something like this as well right right and
4: i think sometimes people just love themselves a little too much and you know that gets that gets. uh in their head, so I try to just ignore that stuff. And you know, if someone tries to make comments; it's I just laugh at them. And you know, it's not much you can do about it. But I wish that didn't exist uh, in general. But no, it's 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 a part of what we're going through as a sport. So it is what it is. And eventually, yes, I think there'll be two one league.
3: Yeah. While you were talking, Nick, I was just thinking um, football went through this with the AFL back in the sixties. The NBA went through this with the ABA and uh, hockey hockey went through this. So, and they eventually merged. It took some of the best things from both leagues. So maybe, maybe that's lacrosse's future too. And
0: and, and the American league back in 1901 was a rival league to the national league. So, right.
5: But I I don't think, I
0: don't, I don't think that
5: uh, the differences in how, and how it was all presented uh, are were as drastic as they are with the two lacrosse leagues where, you know, you have with the major league lacrosse is a more traditional, you know, team city. This is where we are. Whereas the, the PLL is more of like a, it's almost like a traveling circus or some, you know, you, 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 barnstorm a town and play a bunch of games on a weekend. And then you take off and you go to another town and play a bunch of games on a weekend. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, So do you, do you you hear, is there any like animosity or, or anything like that between the the groups of players? Like I'm sure you all kind of know each other in, in, in both leagues, but is there any sort of ill will or, you know, Players chirping back and forth about about either league or.
4: I mean, hey, if you look at social media, you'll probably have your answer there. <laughs> uh, but I mean, for the for the most part, no, I don't think that I, I really don't think there is. I mean, at least with the guys I'm playing with, it's just you know, it's basically you're you're. It's like you went and played for a different franchise. Uh, you know, it's it's not the end of the world. Um, we're all we're all playing pro lacrosse we're you know trying to trying to keep playing this game as long as we can um but there's definitely guys that i like to chirp back i i have absolutely no idea uh maybe they like the drama but yeah it, it definitely it definitely exists if there's i'm sure you guys are there
0: well, you see, I would be ticked off if I was on a really good team, if I was a stud lacrosse player. Apparently, guys my age are still playing. So <laughs> I would be annoyed if I had a really good team and a bunch of players left to go chase money or to go chase a pipe dream. Uh, I I believe in loyalty. And I was right. one of the – you know, I remember going to the first major uh, lacrosse games back in 2001 and it was just such a great atmosphere. And they played in these small venues. You know, it was kid-friendly. And then somebody comes up with this great idea. And it's just going to ruin what has been building for the last 20 years. It's, yeah. it's going to screw things up. Maybe maybe it's a blessing in disguise because maybe it would be short-term. But I, I would be annoyed. I would be very annoyed as a player. Right. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Uh, it's, it's definitely created a lot of...
4: Uh you know, unwanted, I don't know, tension. And it's, it's, it's been weird, but I mean, I, I think, you know, I can only speak for what we're doing, what the MLL is doing and has been doing. I think they have definitely, um, you know, done a really good job in stepping up their game in a lot of different areas. Uh, I mean, the Boston, if you've ever been to the Quincy games, uh, games in Quincy, the new stadium, they've done a really good job of pumping up uh, it being, you know, a great um, environment for young fans to go and, and really have a good time at at the stadium in general and then being able to watch an awesome lacrosse game. Um, and they've stepped up their social media in the past – this past season for, uh, you know, the scenario we were in with the bubble. So, um, you know, it's all it's – all, how you grow as a league, and you know it sucks that there are there is a lot of negative, uh, you know, feedback feedback both ways um, because of there being two leagues. But you know it is what it is, and uh, if there wasn't, I would have been I would have been shocked if there was no negativity because that's just what people love to 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 grab onto. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's the hometown. I agree with you. Hometown vibe is it's the best. You can't beat it. Just without, um, you know, a home state. I absolutely love playing Boston. It's the fact that it's Boston sports, and I can cheer oh, someone man. from York. Uh, but you know, that's just how it works. And and I think that's all. It's always going to work.
3: Uh, Nick, you mentioned uh, the new stadium, and since this is the Stadium Journey podcast, I did want to get into the the stadiums of the league a little bit. Um, Nice, me
0: too.
3: You played played for the Cannons for a few years. So you started when they were playing in Harvard Stadium, right? And you played the last year in Quincy in a much smaller place. Something we talk about a lot on this podcast, having been to different places. I've actually seen the Cannons in four different places, by the way. Um, Is having the right size venue. Right. So can you – compare what it was like to play in a big empty football stadium versus a 5,000 seat stadium that's packed and has kids running around all over the place and the atmosphere, just the change in the atmosphere and what it means to players.
4: Yeah. I mean, uh, so my first year being in Harvard, it was cool. Harvard stadium is Harvard stadium. It's an, it's an awesome, uh, it's an awesome venue and, and all that. But like you said, it's tough to, you know, you are you're not filling up that stadium. So it's it's a little different when you look around and, you know, this these areas of the stadium that are just empty. Um, it was cool. A couple of games, there were a lot of, a lot of people there, but um, overall it, it was different. Um, so when we transitioned into playing at Quincy, I mean, they talked about it for a while of trying to find a venue that would be uh, more intimate and, you know, smaller kind of sort of, how um, Major League Soccer has done. And I thought that was a home run. Um, you know, they they made some good renovations to the stadium, which was also great for the town, um, brought a lot of people from Quincy to go to games, some of who weren't even lacrosse fans in general. Um, and I think that created a really cool environment, you know, while we were playing, but also just around the cans in general of, of people wanting to, to, to root for, um, you know, Boston Cannons more. Um, and in general, I mean, it was cool. They had a band at, at every game. Uh, they had different games for kids to play. They had the, you know, all the shooting, whatever, fastest shot and, and all that fun stuff. So a lot of uh, beer garden for all the parents who want to have a cold one. Uh, so it was, it was definitely 10 times better being in Quincy. So they've got a good thing going.
3: And just don't do the beer garden before the fastest shot booth. <laughs> it doesn't end well, trust me. <laughs> Dave? So
5: as, um, as we're talking about venues, uh, and, and, and Paul, I'm sure, knows where I'm going with this, uh, I have a, a huge pet peeve when it comes to field lacrosse, which I've never had to deal with in box lacrosse, uh, football lines. Watching field lacrosse, I absolutely can't stand the football lines. Um, probably the best lacrosse venue I went to, what for field was uh, in? Um, oh shoot, what was the town? Obits. It goes Obits in uh, outside of Columbus, Ohio, where they had built really just a lacrosse only field. So, uh, how is it for you guys? Is it like? Is it that much better without the lines, or do you even care? Or honestly, I I like the lines.
4: I cause I like being able to have indicators. Still, as a goalie, um, and I've just been always been used to that. I guess so. Yeah, it's never really bothered me. So I'm not to go against you there. Uh, I think the lines, the football lines, are at least they suit me well. Um, but I, I didn't really, th- I didn't think about the box thing. Well, that's not, a, that's not obviously not a thing. So, um, yeah, I guess, the, I guess it could be a little weird for um, box fans first
5: watching field
3: lacrosse. Well, I, 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 it's it's hard.
5: I think I, the big thing is that the the lines are not the same on a football field versus a lacrosse field. So you have an extra set of lines. And of yeah. course, they're never dark enough. You're you're like you got all these white lines, and you're, you're looking for like the one yellow one or something like that. Yeah. So that's true. I, I, I think mean, it'd be it'd be a little bit better maybe if the sidelines were were the same as football lines, but the, but of course they're not. So
2: I, yeah. I just find it
5: distracting. <laughs> I I hate watching yeah with with the with the football lines. So even when when the uh, playoffs were on, and I texted Paul, hey man, look no lines. <laughs> I'm going to stay and
3: yeah. watch now. No lying. <laughs> I've been at games. i gotten a text from Dave. I can't stand watching the game you're at. There's too many lines. And in Quincy, there's football lines. There's lacrosse lines. There's, there's soccer lines. Soccer lines. Right. Yeah. And there was a fourth color. I don't know what the fourth color was for, but yeah. There and, were then they
4: gotta, and then they got to throw in the uh, two-point line, too, which just kind of can be a, a pain in <laughs> the butt to see at times.
3: But so, damn, overall, yeah, it's really weird. what you were saying about, about the vet, Nick, was – it was amazing because I had actually been to the vet years ago. I had actually been there for, I believe this, one, uh, a marching band competition. My, nice. daughter was, my daughter was in like the flag twirlers there, and so I had to spend all day at the vet at a marching band competition, and oh, it was miserable. And the place was <laughs> built. The place was built in the '30s, so it looked yeah. like it was built in the '30s. But right. uh, what the, top, the city of Quincy and what the cannons did when they partnered to screw up. The uh, the arena it was it just made it look fantastic and it was a great place to catch a game at this past year or awesome. 2019
4: I should say yeah yeah Ho- hopefully we can uh, get back to it so we can have some some uh, live games again at Quincy but now they I think they did a really good job with it that the stadium in general is pretty cool but um, I think they have plans some some cool plans going forward um, if things get back on track without COVID. Um, to make some more renovations to the stadium. Uh, I've heard some cool rumors, but nice. yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's been great to play there. Uh, fans like it, which is, which is good. It's always nice to have a, a you know, a packed stadium and look around and it looks packed. So um, I've appreciated that too.
3: Now compare that to when you guys have to go to Denver and play at Mile High.
4: Oh my God. Stadium. <laughs> Have well, you
3: guys ever been able to do the July fourth game? Which I hear. Yeah, I, was just,
4: I was just about to say that. So my first game I ever played was uh wait, was it the July fourth game? Yeah, I think it was. So I I think I'd played I played the game before, but I was backing out Tyler Fiorito. Um so the game before I really didn't I didn't play oh, I didn't play at all. Um and then My dad actually, my dad went to every one of my Georgetown games uh, throughout my career. So uh, that next game, he was, uh, we were like, I was just like, ah, you don't you don't need to go to this game. Um, Probably not going to get in. Tyler was, you know, he's been in the league forever. He was, he's super talented. Um, So I knew I was going to have to wait a bit. Um, But he was, he was also really beat up. He had a lot of injuries, back problems. So he was ending, ending his career, but we ended up going out to a mile high for 4th of July game. Um, there were, I think it was 40,000 people uh, at the game because they did the whole fireworks yep. attract a lot of people who were just in Denver um, to do all the fireworks and everything. So it was packed. Like we could barely hear. Um, people were chirping from the stands. It, it, was, it was electric. It was sweet. Uh, I ended up getting thrown in, I think, the end of the second quarter. Uh, we were getting just destroyed in general. Um, and I got absolutely torched uh, for uh, it, was, it was a bad game in general. We just we got blown out, but uh, I bit, yes, I vividly remember playing at Mile High for the 4th of July. Uh, there were a ton of fans and they, they, they have some crazy fans. It was a cool experience, but um, yeah, I don't, my only memory was getting a lot of goals scored on me, unfortunately.
3: Well, try to block out the negative and yeah, yeah. find the good stuff. Um, so, I guess, uh, how about the other places in the league? Is there any place that you particularly like to play, or even going back to college? What were some of your favorite places to go?
4: Um, Annapolis is always great. Uh, you know that stadium's just unbelievable. So, you kind of you just can't you can't go wrong playing there. And, and being in Annapolis in general, it's a really really cool. St- cool vibe there. So uh, I've always loved and enjoyed that. And um, being able to stay in Annapolis for the weekend is really cool. Um, I'm trying to think of in college, UVA, that place is awesome. Um, That was probably one of my top favorites. Uh, Georgetown just got a new stadium. So unfortunately I can't really talk about that one. I didn't get to, to experience that. Um, in the MLL, I mean, it's probably got to be either Denver, yeah, Denver, or Annapolis. I'm trying to think of who else has cool stadiums.
3: Well, you didn't get to see the new Connecticut place. They play at the new stadium, right. Fairfield, right?
4: I heard that's really nice. Yeah. Just really- I've
3: been to the baseball park, which is right. It's tucked right almost underneath it. So it looks really nice. It's smaller. It's like 4,000 seats, but it looks nice.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the that they did a really good job with that. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, yeah, yeah, I got to go with Annapolis. That place is uh, it's on.
3: Yeah, that, that always scores well when we do our football rankings. So it looks like a really great yeah, place. Yeah, sure. Um, how about other sports? What, what other sports are you into or places you like to go visit? I know you're a big um, hockey fan. I saw that on um, one of your videos.
4: Oh yeah, I'm a huge hockey fan. I love hockey. Um, I played up until college, so yeah, hockey's my number one. Big Bruins fan. I I went. I go to a ton of games, so that's that's my favorite. I've um, I've been to a few few uh, hockey stadiums throughout the years. I'm trying to think of what it, a good one. We made a trip. Me and my dad made a trip out to the hockey hall. Fame. so we went out to um, Detroit for a game, Pittsburgh for a game. Pretty cool. Um, so I've been to quite a few. But I being at a Bruins game, that was the best. Not biased at all.
3: No argument there for me, that's for sure.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, you notice he didn't say he went to a Leaf game when they were at the Hockey Hall of Fame, which was why they were able to pay, you know, to get back home. Otherwise, they would have been, like, stuck here doing dishes or something for those crazy uh, prices. (laughs) (laughs) So true. We would have converted them. We would have had them as a
3: box-lax goalie. (laughs) I'm kind of upset you took my question earlier, Dave. No chance. No chance.
4: I wish I had gotten into box lacks for as a field player and done a a, a blaze rear and play field goalie um, and then he plays offs and box so I should have done that the guy's
5: a beast so do you have do you have much in the way of um, like how how would anybody develop into a, a- a box lacrosse player in the States. Like in, it, up here we have, we have junior teams and a lot of players will either go right to the national lacrosse league from junior, or then oh. they'll go to college play field. Um, but, but do you have much, uh, you know, indoor lacrosse, uh, outside of the pros down there or?
4: Honestly, not really. Um, I didn't really know much about it at all until I got to college. Um, you know, I mean, I knew I knew what it was, but we didn't really have much experience as far as being able to play it um, outside of field, which is unfortunate because I think it definitely is. It's it's great for players if they want to play, you know, box at the pro level or um, develops awesome stick skills clearly college and then you know obviously playing with a bunch of canadian guys who were who were also playing uh, the box game so they i think they really need to do a better job of of growing box in in the u.s um i was actually working for this company trilogy across for a year and, and uh they started doing a box across um winter league and then they we, we had a box team so that was pretty cool to be a part of in and they did a really good job. Uh, Ryan Boylan and Mitch Balawa were, uh, were the two guys who were, were, uh, were leading that. And they had um, you know, a lot of experience with it, too. So. But other than that, it's, it's, it's tough to find.
5: And, and recently, both of the, uh, the leagues, the National Lacrosse League and Major League Lacrosse, have done a better job of, of lining up their schedules. So it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit easier for players to do both. Than it was in the past, where you know you had to yeah. choose one, and then you're missing like a third of a season in the other one. Or
4: yeah, that was that was always tough because we had we had some of our top guys who were had to miss uh, you know a first few games because they were in the playoffs or box. Uh, so that was always pretty frustrating. Um, and I'm glad that they've figured figured it out because it's been really helpful. And then we've also there's also been a bunch of box guys who just weren't playing, didn't want to play field because it interfered, and they wanted to, you know, they didn't want to play unless they are going to get a full season in. So one guy, Riley O'Connor, who I uh, I actually played with at Georgetown, he was um, a senior when I was a freshman. He just started playing field again this past season. So uh, he was on our team this season, played a big role, had a bunch of huge huge goals for us and was a part of the championship team. So that was especially cool for me being former teammates and everything. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they need to, they need to keep that going and and try to figure out ways for, um, for there to be more, um, especially box guys playing field uh, on top of it.
3: Yeah, Dave, you're absolutely right. I've, I've never heard of anybody playing box slacks in this area of the country. And, this is one of the biggest lacrosse areas in the United States, so. Maybe we need to start something up, the, the U.S. Box League or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got yeah. so I much mean, capital laying around, I'll just.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I wish I – I honestly wish I had gotten into it because it lo- it's it's super fun, and uh, all the guys who play absolutely love it. And I, I like the physical part of it. You can You can toss the gloves if you need to, so. I mean, it's a cool game, so they need to they need to keep it growing.
3: I was just going to ask you, Nick, if you've been in, in any battles on the lacrosse field. <laughs>
4: uh, I ha- I'll tell you what I do chirp a lot. Um, <laughs> that's just I-, I won't cross the line by any means because uh, uh, that's just I'm not going to talk about family or anything like that. But I do chirp quite a bit. Uh, but I have never I've never dropped the gloves just because I get suspended. Uh, but nor probably would I drop the gloves. And uh, as a goalie, it's probably not the smartest move. But it's pretty cool. You can you can do it in box. I mean, there's some absolute beasts, though.
3: Yeah, I've seen some good battles. Yeah, you don't have your skates to worry about. So if you get hit, you know, it's your balance is better, I guess, when you're throwing punches. Hopefully, right. Hopefully. I guess so. if, I was, if I was throwing punches, it would look like I don't know what it would yeah. like. <laughs> uh so, yeah, Nick, we're coming up on an hour now, so we don't want to keep you all night. So maybe this is where we can wrap it up. And uh, thank you for coming on and talking with us. It's been a lot of fun. Um, before before you take off, do you want to uh, – you were talking about some other side ventures. Do you want to give it a little shout-out, some promotion for your other stuff going on?
4: Yeah, sure. Well, first off, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, this is awesome. Love what you guys are doing. Um, so I'll, I'll make sure to – to keep tuning in um, and yeah, I mean, I, so me and Sean Quirk uh, coach of the Canons, we started this uh, lacrosse company called peak pro uh, about, we launched about three weeks before the season started. Um, we, we've always been super into the lacrosse gear and uh, specifically started with, go- it started the idea with goalies with somewhat of a lack of uh, certain types of gear that is adequate. Um, and we, so we end up starting by manufacturing lacrosse shafts. So we have three different types of shafts on the market right now, along with a bunch of, um, pretty cool apparel. And we had six guys, uh, using the shafts throughout the MLL season this year, um, which was great. They all, um, uh, loved using it. And so, so far so good and have a few other products we're going to be releasing in the next next four months or so so this venture uh we're, we're exploring and um you know we're trying to be starting a, a company like that uh with with everything going on with covid it's it's tough with no events and all that but no it's been great so you can check it out at peakprosport.com is the website um and the same thing for social media peak pro sport um so feel free to check it out let me know what you guys think and looking forward to it
3: all right sounds sounds great it's hard to believe now now I'm hyped up for lacrosse but we've got no lacrosse now for at least at least four months hopefully in four months uh, the college season will start back up again
4: uh, I sure hope it does I'm gonna be kind of I'm gonna be really bummed if it doesn't I was looking forward to, to watching some good games this year
3: yeah I gotta tell you it was a rough spring last year without any uh, any games to go to yeah, so. it's brutal.
4: I, I can't imagine being a, a a senior in college. That's brutal. Yeah,
3: yeah, and uh, those guys aren't even getting an extra year of eligibility, are they? They just lost a whole year.
4: Um, did, I thought I thought they they some of them could, except oh, for the high League kids. Okay, I'm you sure because uh, a few of them took a, a fifth year, but still, it's just it's craziness yeah. having to. Have to
3: do that. Yeah, I really feel for the guys who are seniors in coll- college, college and though. high school. Yeah. So, Nick, all right, thanks, thanks for joining us and coming on, and uh, best of luck to you and the Cannons next season. Let's go for a repeat, huh?
4: Absolutely. Well, thanks again for having me on, and hopefully, maybe we can do it again sometime. But uh, good talking to you guys.
3: Appreciate it. Anytime, thanks. Nick. Thanks so much. Okay, that was Nick Morocco from the Boston Cannons. I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight. That was a lot of fun, and I hope everybody enjoyed it. So this is usually the part of the show where we recap our visits over the last fortnight. I love throwing that word in. It's a fancy word. Me too. It's a, great, it's a great word. It's a great game, too. It's two weeks. It doesn't mean video game. It means two weeks, people. I know what fortnight is. It's I'm also talking, a video I'm game. talking to you, Dan. I'm talking to anyone who may not know. The more you Like know, me. The like more me. you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, Lately, we haven't had a whole lot of visits to talk about, but this week we do. Mark, <laughs>
0: you hit the road. Yes, I uh, went down to Louisville to uh, watch Louisville City at Lynn Family Stadium, their brand-new, modern, soccer-specific venue along the Ohio River in Butchertown. Uh, Louisville City is a USL championship side. Butcher Town. Butcher Town was dead, though things were closed. But ah, there was
3: a, get it? Butcher dead. Ah.
0: There was a lot. Yeah, there was. There was a lot going on inside the stadium. It was uh, the first round of the playoffs, and Louisville City did not disappoint. The about four thousand plus people there. Uh, they won two nothing, and I just have to say, it was just wonderful being at a stadium. I know we were on here a few weeks ago, and you know we were talking about. Man, when's the next event I'm going to go to? Dave hasn't been to any any event since February.
3: And, Our end of the year uh, show is going to be awesome.
0: End of the year show is going to be yeah. So twenty minutes. minutes,
3: it'll be quick that week. I actually think it'll be fun. I've got some questions planned.
0: Well, you know, ho- ho- hopefully we did a lot at the beginning of the year, but uh, but you know what what I like what I like to see is is when a second division club builds its own stadium. It seats about eight thousand. They allowed four thousand in. Uh, they didn't have the outdoor activities or the pregame concerts. Uh, their, their supporter group, the Coopers, did not march in like they normally do. Uh, but their supporter section, you know, they had drums, they had banners, they had smoke after they scored. Uh, it was just a cool experience. It was, I think I just love the fact that the, the weather was nice. You know, I got down there a little bit earlier to check out things in Louisville, uh, which unfortunately had, had a lot going on recently uh, with the Breonna Taylor case. Oh, you was, weren't there when that was going on, were you? No, no, I wasn't. But you did see a lot of stores boarded up. And uh, certain parts of town were not as active as other parts of town. And, and that also could be with COVID. Uh, but this is a really wonderful soccer venue. And if every USL Championship or NISA or USL League One or Two can build stadiums, I'm not saying they have to build an eight thousand seat stadium. They could just build their own soccer facility. I mean the world would be a perfect place. I don't want to watch soccer played in some dumpy old stadium unless they're renovating it. I don't want to see it at a triple a ballpark, you know because the sightlines are terrible i mean this you are so close at the north end of the stadium. I mean you can almost touch the the guy kicking the corner kick i mean you you were up close and personal. Uh, they have a, a three-sided screen that gives you every kind of detail and information you want. The food was good. Uh, they have a bunch of outdoor bars there. Uh, there's an airplane ahead of me, it's, uh, landing close to the airport near me right now. So uh, it's just, it just—it was just a fun environment, and and it was like I said, it was only half filled. God, I can imagine what that's going to be like when it is packed. And Louisville usually does well. They've been around, I think, for five years, and this is their fifth year. Two championships, one one finalist appearance. And uh, if they win out, they'll get to host uh, throughout the conference and maybe, maybe the championship game, depending if uh, they have the better record than Reno. So, um, yeah, a lot of fun. And I want to go check out another soccer game. <laughs> <laughs> Check out another soccer game. Yeah, like like St. Louis is nearby, but they're playing in Louisville next week, so can't do that.
3: Yeah, you were so, talking about the USL. At, um Hartford did that. They renovated an old stadium that was probably Dillon gonna get stadium. torn down.
0: Yeah, Dylan. Yeah,
3: which is pretty it's pretty historic back in the day. I know uh like the Grateful Dead are known for playing there a lot and stuff like that. Yeah, they had um, uh the old bicentennials of the North American Soccer League play there yeah.
0: at so, one yeah. point. But yeah, that that's what you like to see, do you, you like to see people put some money in, you know, that's what Nick was talking about, what they did up in Quincy. It looks like that was just a very basic – that was a high school stadium, correct? Yeah, yeah. And and they're renovating it to – and and looks like they're having success up there. It would yep. be great if, if more places did that. I know it costs money. It's very easy for me to say. I'm not paying for it, but it could have its benefits with people with big pockets.
3: Absolutely. So, and, if, and if for these mid-sized ones, like you said – if you can use them for more than one thing, you know, you renovate the stadium and high schools can use it, uh, different programs. And then it starts to pay for itself. Yeah.
5: So speaking of, of soccer and Hartford, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Toronto FC, uh, not allowed to jump back and forth over the border. So their temporary home is now at, uh, Rentschler field, uh, in Hartford. So, when they scored, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Brass <going>. Bonanza, <laughs>
3: <laughs> which was but,
5: so awesome.
3: <laughs> so, Dave, what is uh, if Toronto can't jump back and forth? What is Montreal and Vancouver doing?
5: Uh, Vancouver is playing all of their home games, quote unquote, in Portland, and Montreal is playing at Red Bull Arena. So, oh. none of them are, are hopping the border. Uh, they did have a bunch of games. Like, after the big tournament, uh, okay. it's not very loud.
0: <laughs> all right, I didn't want to make it too loud. Oh, is that Brass answer? <laughs> oh,
2: <okay>. After <laughs> the
5: big tournament, they um, they kind of had another sort of subsection of the season. So all the Canadian teams played each other a couple times, right? So they, they got through all of those. And then kind of the last part before the playoffs um, – they they basically found temporary homes in, in the States. So, uh, but yeah, Brass Bonanza. I, I'm, I'm not sure how many people got it um, w- when they were watching, but uh, it was it was pretty cool to see.
3: Well, yeah. they probably got to hear Brass Bonanza more often at a soccer game than they did at a Whalers game. <laughs> 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 All a right. couple
5: times at least that one game. And, hey, they supporter shield. FC is at the, in the top spot at the moment, so good stuff. All
3: right. So I guess that wraps up our visits for this week. Uh, <laughs> one. One.
0: One. Well, the Colts the cults are allowing fans, and so who knows? Maybe
3: yeah, the Eagles are going to allow fans this Sunday too. Yeah. So. Uh-oh, it's creeping up to the Northeast. I'll keep my hands yeah. crossed.
5: I think yeah. we know a couple people who are, are are doing some baseball over the next few weeks.
3: Oh yeah, I know, that's right. I, I know a guy
5: who is uh who's down in
3: Texas at the at the game now. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, a, the it's weird that they mixed it up. The NLDS is in Dallas, the ALDS is in San Diego,
5: mm-hmm.
3: and there's fans allowed at both of those or just in Texas?
5: Uh, I think just Texas. I don't think yeah. there's anybody in
3: San Diego. And then the World Series will be at the new Rangers ballpark, and fans will be allowed. I think yeah. what twelve thousand fans?
5: I think that's a California thing because the Dolphins played the. 49ers this weekend and there was nobody at the stadium in in santa clara yeah.
3: well that's like up here we can't have fans at any games unless all the, all the participants are under 18 then you can't have fans Who knows? that doesn't okay. make any goddamn strange you know, strange, strange and how about florida? did all of florida or was it just the dolphins they, 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 they got have... okayed for full crowd
5: that was Man. that was at a state level so right
3: so anybody in in florida huh
5: yep now did you see the news today no. Florida Gators are are pressing pause on Florida or, or on uh, on football um, because no, they've had they've I've had, had so many cigarettes. so many cases. Yeah, they just announced that today. Ooh. and they're ranked they're ranked like number ten right now in the, in the country. It's nineteen it's positive bad. tests.
0: Wow. Okay, what when the heck is this all going to be? Over and we can get back to watching games and not wondering. Thinking of reading books, Dave. Speaking of reading books, <laughs> that's all I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's
5: enough. the ultimate segue. <laughs> getting sweaty
3: over here. Finished a good one the other day, right?
5: I did. Yeah, you know, you're you're talking about trips. Uh, I kind of felt like I I went on a trip actually. I felt like I went on a trip uh, for the stuff, longest right, baseball game in history. Um, no, that was uh, uh, thanks to Paul for the recommendation. I finished the bottom of the 33rd, uh, by Dan, Dan, Dan Barry. Um, and yeah, wow. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty excellent. I, I, I think I about a third and I, I sent Paul a message. I said, you didn't tell me this was poetry, like just the okay. way it was written. It was so, it just flowed and it, it just had, you know, it just, ha- he just created this romanticism about this, horrible horrible situation in this horrible place and everybody's miserable. <laughs> but,
3: horrible day, Easter Easter Sunday, middle yeah. of the night, about thirty degrees out, wind blowing in from center field, ten, twelve people in the stands. If you ever come to Rhode Island you ask people about it, thousands of Rhode Islanders were at that game. No. It was like twelve.
5: Yeah, yeah, they said the the, the last count, uh nineteen. Nineteen oh, people 19 people left is – is it's somewhere – they say somewhere between
3: 28 and 19, but – At uh, 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, 4.30 in would the morning. Would you guys stay at a ballgame until 4.30 in the morning? I, I don't think I would, no. Mark, <laughs> I think you would. I No, I
0: probably wouldn't, but, um, wow, if I got there late, if I got there during the ninth inning, maybe.
3: <laughs> Longest but, you game know, you've ever been to, everybody. Longest game you've ever been to? Oh my goodness. Oh, jeez. Like, time-wise? No, innings-wise. Oh,
5: innings-wise. Um, that, no, I... that you stayed till the end? 19
3: for me, twice. No, That you stayed
0: to the end? Yeah. Mm. Maybe 12, 12. I would innings. say probably at 12. I think the Mets and Phils played a, a crazy game one time down at the vet. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I can't. That's a good question. I mean, even, even as a
1: Philly fan, four hours for me is my limit at
0: the vet. Yeah. Well, because you're always with somebody. We have to go. Well, that
3: would be the other thing. Am I there with my right. wife? And which one of us would make the other one leave? I don't know. Different nights, different person.
0: I I can tell you this. There was one day I went to a Hagerstown Suns game in the afternoon, and then I went to Fredericton for a late evening, and then I drove by Wilmington, and their lights were still on, and I saw fans. That game was in extra innings. I'm not quite sure when, but I was there long enough to see about three innings, and it was a Sunday night around 10. (laughs)
3: <laughs> nine o'clock at night so beautiful i found
0: beautiful. that fascinating
5: isn't
3: that the best thing to drive by hey there's a game going on there's <laughs> a game
5: <laughs> yeah no that was it was a it was a great one and and you know i was i was stuck in my basement for for two weeks uh after there was a, a positive test at my school so i had to self-isolate for for two weeks in the basement so um yeah i i I uh, just to get Dan riled up again. You know, here here's the question. For no, you. we just come if, if, calm down. If you ever wonder what it would have been like if if Donald Trump had actually run or owned a, a major sports franchise, like we saw it, because uh, I we lived it in Toronto. Uh, I finished the uh, an, a biography of Harold Ballard. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like I. I think Donald Trump read this book before he became the president.
1: <laughs> he doesn't read. No, he didn't. He doesn't read.
5: <laughs>
1: Those pictures at the hospital of him signing papers that were blank. Uh,
5: Get out of here.
3: Uh, Give me a fuck anyway.
5: Break. That's what I. That that was my trip.
3: How's that for trigger? Did you like that? <laughs> yeah, from that bottom of the thirty-third book. Dave. My favorite story is the one of the relief pitcher who went home after the game. And it was, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning. His wife wouldn't let him in the apartment because she didn't believe he was at the ballpark oh, yeah. that late. Well that sounds like well, a he got
5: that guy got special permission to leave early because he was already in and they thought he might they might need him the next day. So at probably about two, they he got a ride home and the wife the wife he was a, a Latino guy and the wife said uh uh-uh. uh You're lying. You You weren't at a baseball game. You were out
3: partying. You had to call the ballpark or something.
5: (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, uh, uh, lots of, lots of really interesting stories. You know, if you boil it down, like if you make it totally simplified, it, it was essentially, it was a where are they now story, but it was just brilliantly written so that it, it, it felt like, it felt like so much more. Um, and, and, you know, if, if you need to read something about about like big names, you know there were big names there. There was uh, Cal Ripken was Cal in that Ripken game. Cal Ripken Jr. and Wade, Wade Boggs uh, and and a bunch of guys that went to that uh, World Series in 86, 86.
3: Yep, Marty Barrett was Marty, part of that team. Marty
5: Barrett, Rich Gedman, Bruce yep. Hurst, yep. Yep. Um, Bobby Ojeda, Bob yeah, it, uh, quite a few quite a few no- names. But those weren't those weren't really the interesting ones. What the heck is that I, I i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to you know share the whole thing um there was one other person who was very who had a very interesting role
3: in the whole thing but uh
5: yeah def, definitely worth it definitely worth the read
3: so uh that's where we'll say goodbye for now dan where can our listeners follow you online
1: and 83 and take hey. your take those replies about what i said and just throw them at a brick wall cuz i'm just going to mute you.
3: Dan, you have a trip coming up. I saw something you put on Twitter. Going <laughs> to
1: This is this is your fault, Paul. So when some compl- So it up. when he co- some complaints, it was Paul Baker's fault. Yes, i will be finally getting some pork roll. Um Yay. I'm I'm traveling up to Jersey. We're off the uh, As far as I know, Virginia's off the quarantine list anyway. Um, So I'm going to go up, get some pork roll, and then come home. Visit visit family, of course.
3: A trip six months in the making.
1: I mean, I haven't... It's been, this is the longest streak it's ever been to not visit Jersey. Just visit family. Since well, that's the hard
3: part people do think about. It. So many people have been separated from their families for this whole time. Well,
1: let's not get hasty. After about a day, I'm good, but
3: still. Uh, well,
1: no, but I the,
0: feel
1: you. People are like, you're just coming for the poor girl. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to hide it. And yeah.
3: Hey, Mark, how about you? Where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, just uh,
0: type in ballpark hunter on Twitter, Instagram. Or YouTube. You can check out my videos. Uh, Today's, This week's video featured me up in Kenosha. Check out the home of the Kenosha Kingfish of the Northwoods League. A lot of fun um, watching those uh, videos from the past few years. A lot of this was pre-COVID. But yeah, just type in Ballpark Hunter. Hopefully you'll find something of interest and uh, hopefully I can keep up with some of the videos I'm trying to make and articles. I'm working on them. I just... Got, I got that teaching job I got to do in between.
3: Damn life gets in the way, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> I've got home all day just vegging out, writing articles.
3: Uh, the good old days. Well, day. we knew when you were because you were putting out like four or five a day. I a know. Month.
0: I know. I'm slipping. I'm slipping. Uh, I got a few definitely. coming out the
3: next next month. Nice. Dave, where could our listeners follow you online?
5: Uh, on Twitter at Profan Nine got a plethora of, of reviews because I was just sitting at home <laughs> stuck in my basement. So I got all caught up and, and I think I'm gonna have like about five days in a row. Yeah, um, you got so, a whole
3: week's worth of things in a row.
5: So Stadium Journey website could be going under after, you know, a full solid
3: week of my book reviews. <laughs> Profan nine. at yeah, Profan Nine. And you can follow my Stadium Journeys when they start happening again on Twitter or Instagram at Puckman RI, And once again, don't forget to check out our website, stadiumjourney.com. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Stadium Journey. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, Find our podcast at vocnation.com or search VOC Nation Radio Network on whatever podcast app you use. And remember, for those of you who already aren't watching us, was that proper English? I don't think so, but you know what I mean. We simulcast live every other Tuesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern at twitch.tv slash danlaw83. Uh, We're going to return in two weeks. That would be October 27th. And our topic will be, Dave, what's our topic? I forget. Oh, memories of McCoy. Oh, McCoy Stadium. Nice.
0: Memories of McCoy. I have a YouTube video of that.
3: We'll, we'll attach it somehow. <laughs> so the three of us are going to sit
5: here and listen to Paul.
1: Listen to me. Listen on. to me. Wax. I'm not even. I'm now. not even going to plug in my microphone. I'm just going <laughs> to
3: produce.
5: <laughs> just make sure. Just make sure that Pam sends you with Kleenex, buddy.
3: Yeah, that's going to be. Uh, I may have to get drunk before we. Yeah, you know, we're, we're
5: making fun of you, but when
1: they tore the spectrum down, and when I say they tore the spectrum down, I mean they used the med- They used the big medicine ball and did it. Not a medicine yeah. ball, a, a wrecking ball. Wrecking ball, that's it. Yeah, sure. Medicine ball, whatever. They did it slowly. <laughs> so, I mean, there were tears flowing. I'm just saying. Yeah.
3: No, I feel you. I feel, so you. I, I
0: feel you, Paul. Dave, you mean person. Well, I think they'll play They'll play something at McCoy. It's not going away, correct?
3: I hope not. They haven't mm-hmm. announced it yet, so we don't know. a
0: well, uh, product
3: they... of the uncertain times we're in right now. All right, so thanks once again to Nick Morocco for joining us tonight. <laughs> for Dan Calachico, Mark Viquez, and Dave Cotney, I'm Paul Baker. Until next time, be excellent to each other.
2: Hey, this is a Total Pack,
4: this is Lex Luger, and you're listening to the VOC Nation, don't miss out.
1: Check out In The Room, every Tuesday night at 9, listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stroh Maestro, Cassie Fist, Matt Grimm. And you and Later there too, right Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests, like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku, and more. It's a heck of a party.
2: Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have cried? Adnan lost a lot of family in the... Iraqi war. Everybody loves
0: Granny.
1: Wow. Yeah, see a lot of people don't know that. Yes,
0: There you guys are
3: busting me <laughs> up. Catch Wrestling with History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at nine thirty Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app.
4: Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry
2: Steins of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs nah, here. You get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty
1: all around and up on his mother. Get ready. Nasty sensation is
4: coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.